What up, homies? Thanks for tuning in to Outkick Bets. I'm your host, Jeff Clark, and I brought back Dan Z because this guy is killing it. Dan, holy shit. What is your winning record or what is your uh, betting record in the 2022 NFL season? I have to go back and make sure of all my picks at some point. I have it as 21 and 7, and but I, I think I may have given out Zach Ertz over four and a half catches last week. Also, I can't remember if I officially locked that in. That's because he did go over. So that would actually make me 22 and seven. But I'll say I, I don't think I did. I think I only went with his yardage total. So to be totally on the up and up, we'll call it 21 and seven. Unfortunately, I'm only winning at a 75 percent clip right now, which, you know, it's not going to get it done. <laughs> it's that would pay my bills. 75 percent winning percentage. I'll tell you that. And uh, we I have had some all expensive... this time talking about how you can't break the NFL. And right now. I'm I'm out to out to prove it wrong. Uh, well, I mean, you would be a, one of a handful of people that are successful in the NFL any given year. It's it's a it's one of the toughest markets, or it's actually the toughest market in sports betting because there's so much action, right? Um, but you're doing a lot better than me. I took a step back after I think four straight winning weeks. I went one and four last week in the circa millions. Um, I think all my picks. In the Circa Million, I presented here on the podcast. So one four in the podcast, one four in the Circa Millions. My Circa Million record is twenty three twenty and two. So still three games above five hundred, but nothing to be excited about. Definitely not in the money. I got a lot of work to do if I'm going to make the money. My only winner was the Chicago Bears um, at home against the Miami Dolphins. I lost the Bills at the Jets. The Raiders at the Jaguars, which still haunts me. Uh, the Panthers at the Bengals, which you were on the right side of. I lost some money to you on that one. And so uh, mad because I had I told you guys last week I had that as a best bet. I was gonna keep I was gonna have the Bengals and then like our conversation kinda kinda talked myself out of it, but I knew it. Should have stuck with my gut on that one. Yeah. Panthers became a fake sharp play by the end of the week, according to most like sports books who there were sports book directors who like talked about the betting action coming in. It was just like everyone thought that the Panthers plus seven and a half was sharp. <laughs> it was not. Um, I didn't see the, the Bengals covering that way though. I mean, Joe Mixon has been really just hit or miss and he had one of the better football games of the year um, last week against the Panthers. Yeah. I played against them in fantasy. It was awesome. Oh my God! What did he? How many? How many points did he put up in your league? Uh, I was over fifty. <laughs> what a nightmare! I uh, did. I will say this: I did use. Uh, I did do the DraftKings uh, DFS Millionaire contest. Not that I won a ton, but it's a twenty dollars entry, and I won thirty bucks. Thanks almost entirely to having Joe Mixon in my lineup. Hell yeah! All right. I mean, uh, he was a he was a must for anyone who cashed, and then. I just I made a couple other bad plays. I was one pick away too because I was between Marcus Mariota and Justin Fields, who were the exact same salary, and I, my dumbass went with Marcus Mariota. Had I gone with Fields, I think it would have been a hundred and fifty dollar win or so on a twenty dollar entry. Well, yeah, one bad decision can cost you. We'll definitely be talking about uh, Justin Fields later this podcast, but well, before we get into this week, I do want to talk about the ultimate like the opposite of a bad beat, which is what we got last week. And I was texting you about this. So I had the Zach Ertz over. I've been hammering, obviously, Seattle. like Tight ends facing Seattle all season. It's been extremely profitable. We've not missed a single one. We were on the verge of missing one. Ertz had, I believe, 29 yards. His 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 total was 39.5. That's where I bet it early in the week, 39.5. He had 29 yards. Seattle has the ball. They're going to win the game for sure. Um, All they got to do is kind of like kneel on it or just run the ball. So they run it to Kenneth Walker with like two minutes left, and he scores. And if you remember a few weeks ago, Saquon Barkley had the exact same opportunity, and he went down because that's the smart play. If Walker just goes down at the one, they kneel three times, the game's over. Walker scores. So I'm like, oh, shit. So Arizona, I had given up because, again, Seattle had no reason to ever give the ball back to Arizona. And Ertz was not going to hit. Kyler Murray ends up taking a sack on the ensuing drive. Again, they're down 10 points at this, so this is all garbage time. Like, they're not going to score twice. Kyler Murray takes a sack. It's like third and 21, and I'm like, ugh. 
wouldn't you know, we get an 11-yard garbage-ass pass to Ertz to hit our over by half a yard. He finished with 40 yards. We bet him at 39 and a half. It was an 11-yard garbage pass that meant absolutely nothing that got us over, and I was going absolutely nuts. Kenneth Walker, I owe you a fruit basket. I mean, if you're going to be cashing 75% of your NFL picks, a couple of those just have to be lucky. you got to be on the right side of them, so... That's awesome. I haven't, man. To be honest, I haven't had a lot of that where it was like I felt like the pick was wrong, but I still hit. But that one, although I mean, Ertz was targeted like eight times. He had a couple. There were a couple of misses between him and Murray. And actually, on the on the next play, he threw it to Ertz, which would have been another fifteen yards, and Ertz didn't catch. He had like nine targets, so it just it just was one of those weird things where it wasn't the wrong side, but still managed to take a crazy play to, to get over. So I don't know. Betting's weird, man. It's just so weird. Yeah. You're telling me I've had a lot of unlucky breaks and lucky breaks this year. And it's mostly because the scoring has been reduced in the NFL and the, the um, average margin of victory has been a little lower. So it's just been kind of flukier outcomes. So I haven't like my record like is what it is and there's nothing unlucky or lucky about it. It's, you know, it's, pretty much evened out for me this year. So I just got to do a little bit better with my reads. Um, and probably like personally, like load up on the games that I feel better about instead of betting um, all my circa million picks. That being said, I thought said, you took a bad beat last week. Cause I think the Raiders was the right side. And although, you know, in your handicap that you did, and I, um, for full disclosure for the audience, I'm an editor here at Outkick, Jeff's a writer, and I edit a lot of Jeff's pieces. And I and I hit him up about his Raiders handicap that he posted on the site, and I was like, well, you're kind of saying that the Raiders deserve to win, you know, these games that they've lost, but the Jags didn't. But yet, they're kind of the same team. Like, they just, like, blow games they shouldn't blow, and this was one of those. Like, the Raiders were the better team in the first half. They had a 21 nothing lead, right, before not scoring again? Uh, I think it was 17 nothing. And actually, the stat that I didn't know but, like, had a feeling of that I didn't include in my handicap, which would have better sold that point of, like, the Raiders have gotten unlucky, they should have more wins than their record indicates, is that behind the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the Raiders have the second most – seven point leads in a game this season or in games this season. So they Wild. keep just choking games away. I mean, you, you remember that miracle Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray come back, right? The Jaguars last week, I'm spacing out, but I think there was a couple other ones, even like the chargers, they were behind most of that game, but like they really snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory in that game. Well, it's interesting because this was the Vikings last year. Uh, I used to write for a company called Stat. Like every week I would write these up. Like the Vikings were the only team in the NFL through like nine weeks who led by at least seven points in every single one of their games. And at that point they were like three and five or so. It's what got Zimmer fired was because they kept getting these leads yeah. and then just blowing them. But now they're seven and one this season. So maybe that's maybe this is good for the Raiders for next year. Certainly not good for this year. Well, I my one of my best bets in the preview podcast that I did um, for Outkick bets actually like like the first couple weeks that I uh, joined Outkick under eight and a half wins for the Raiders was a best bet because like they were incredibly fortunate and um, lo- lucky in one score games and like that regresses year over year, but like. Holy shit! Has it has it blown up in their face this year? Like, I, you know, I, I was on the wrong side of the one last week. Um, I, I, I think it was a bit of a bad beat, but like, you made a good point when we were texting back and forth. It's like the Raiders suck, and it's like that simple. It's like, you know, you, you can't. It's hard to complain about bad beats when you're betting losing teams, right? It, that's the thing. It's like, you know, like bad things happen to shitty teams and the Raiders have a shitty or a shitty team. So, and you can say that about it. Like you go a team like the Raiders, like, man, they got all these big leads, but like, that's the mark of a average to below average team is like, they don't play 60 minutes. They can go out and play really good for 15, 20 minutes, a quarter, two quarters, but they don't play 60 minutes. And what's so weird about that? If you want to be good in the NFL, you have to play 60 minutes of football. Period. But what's so good or what's so weird about that is usually teams like that who allow teams to get in the back door or blow leads 
are teams that can't run the ball to put the game away. Josh Jacobs, he's on my fantasy team. Before the last couple of weeks, has just been like the best fantasy court running back in the league. So like their run game was going. They got Darren Waller back last week, who's now been sent to the eight. I think they got him back last week. Maybe I'm tripping, but um, Devontae Adams had a hell of a game last week. Like I, I watched the whole thing. And I don't really know how the Raiders lost. Like I'm, you know, I'm kind of confused. Now I kind of want to bet the Raiders' first half line this week minus three against the Colts. First half. That might be a fun play. That is okay. That's that should be a podcast play. I'm down. Like 100. I, I love that. I love. I'm not that ready play. to lock it in. I'm because I, I, we just started talking about it. And I want to dive into like the Raiders' like first half numbers and know if this is. But I mean, man, minus three against the Colts who just fired their coach. They now have an ESPN analyst on the sidelines. Dude, I want to lock it in though. Because like well, I don't want ahead. like Have at it. I don't want like para- <laughs> analysis or paralysis by analysis. Like I'll, I'll I'll see a couple things that'll make me feel differently about it. But like, what do we know about the Raiders? They jump out to big leads and they blow them. So like, let's t- go with the first half and the Colts. Their coaching situation is absolutely crazy. And I think if anything, like they get it together and sneak in the back door in the second half. I'm overthinking. I might just. I'm just gonna go with the Raiders first half um, ATS. I like that play actually. I like that play a lot. Um, but we do got to get into the Week Ten uh, slate before we break into it, though, or, or start breaking it down. Excuse me. We shout out the new sponsor of this podcast, Price Picks. Uh, they offer. They have a, a great feature promo. All first time Price Picks users that deposit and use promo code OutKick One. That's the number one. Not the uh, not spelled out will receive a hundred percent instant deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. If you deposit a hundred dollars, Prize Picks will give you one hundred bucks. Entries on Prize Picks can be made in seconds. They offer fast and safe withdrawal. Sign up today and don't forget to use our promo code OutKick One for a special welcome bonus. Also, we have two other sponsors of this podcast: DraftKings Sportsbook, which is the odds that I use for all my picks here and OutKick bets. Uh, they offer two awesome promotions, which you can out- access Excuse me at outkick.com backslash bet. Um, you can get $200 in free bets by betting $5 on any NFL money line, and you receive $200 if your team wins. Uh, also, there's a $1,000 deposit bonus match at DraftKings Sportsbook, and PointsBet Sportsbook offers two risk-free bets of up to $2,000. So access those at outkick.com backslash bet all right let's get into the handicap and before we get into actual picks i'm just very very interested in breaking down this game or discussing it with you the first ever munich game i think it's first ever but seattle seahawks visit the tampa bay buccaneers the tampa bay buccaneers are currently two and a half point favorites with juice on the bucks at minus 115 dude i've heard so many different things about this game so many different handicaps all convincing, one side saying the Seahawks are sharp and the other side saying the Bucks are sharp. Where do you fall on in this game? I fall somewhere in the I have no idea range <laughs> where I'm just it's a, it's this is such an obvious stay away. Because you're right. I mean, I I I've heard convincing arguments on both sides. I mean, you've got the Brady's back. He, you know, he had the magic last week and that's going to springboard towards, you know, their their expected march to the playoffs. I've been anti-Seattle all season. I've thought that they were one of the worst teams in the league, but I mean, they're winning. Their advanced analytics are solid. Like there's nothing about this team to indicate that they're as bad as I thought they were going to be, which, you know, as, as hard as it is for me to admit that I was wrong, I will admit I was wrong at least partially about the Seahawks. I had them as in contention for the number one overall pick, and that was just incorrect. But I, this is just such a wonky game where it's like it's being played in Germany. I, I think that's an advantage for Seattle because Brady is so meticulous about his body clock and his – his sleep and all that crazy stuff. It was like this weird stat where Brady struggles on primetime. The thought was like, well, he goes to bed at 8.30. Like, he's essentially starting a football game at bedtime, which is, you know, again, that's kind of like analysis that you always, like, 
kind of turn your nose up at like but I don't know. I mean, dude's 45 years old, flying to Germany, throwing off his whole schedule, not having all his TV shit. I don't know. Feels like it could have an impact. Yeah, the counter to that, though, is like given all the distractions he's p- probably dealing with, with, you know, the divorce and everyone asking him if it's his time or, or like just all the issues with the team. You would think maybe the travel and like the extra work having to do like Germany media, German media appearances, like. I don't know, kind of helps him like focus on football or like, you know, just helps him focus on the job and not the outside distractions. That's like, I guess the, the pro bucks argument, at least in that sense. Um, but I, you know, I, I love Pete Carroll and I was, um, at least open to the idea of Geno Smith being pretty good. I didn't think you'd be this good, but I mean, the Seahawks, they won 10 games for how many years in a row with Russell Wilson, and they're getting just as good of performance out of Geno Smith. He has the same weapons that Russell Wilson had over recent years that were so really good it? for him. Pulling um, the trigger on the Hawks? I don't think so. Now, I mean, I won't give it out on this bet or on this uh, podcast. I might write it up for outkick.com and place some action on it early in the morning so I have something to like root for at 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, but... I can't get to the window officially on That's this one. That's what sucks me in, man. Those ga- those island games, it's like that I don't really care about. Although, to be fair, now I can't give it out as a bet yet, and I, and I told you this. I'm going to bet whatever the prop is, most likely uh, Tampa Bay tight end. It's not available yet because Cameron Brait has been hurt, although he practiced in full on Wednesday. He practiced in full on Thursday, which means he's almost certainly going to play in this game. But... DraftKings just hasn't put up. They actually haven't put up any of the uh, Bucks pass catcher odds yet. No. The Seahawks odds are up, but the Bucks aren't. Again, it's probably a deal like where they're waiting for the injury reports uh, to come out in full. Mike Evans was limited yesterday. Mike Evans was limited today. So is he going to play? Julio Jones didn't practice on Wednesday, but did practice today. So, you know. I think they're still just kind of figuring out based on the injury report who's going to play. Because obviously if Mike Evans plays, that changes everyone's props. Uh, you know, less so on Julio. Cameron Brait, if he plays, that would change Kate Otten, who had a big game last week, by the way. And Brady loves to use his tight ends. Like, I, I, There's no way Tom Brady doesn't know that Seattle doesn't defend tight ends, and he's not going to look for opportunities to exploit that. I like Cameron Brait. I think the number will be low because he's been hurt and he hasn't done a lot this year. But in the two games where he's played the entire game this season – uh, in back-to-back weeks, he had 14 targets from Brady. I certainly expect him to see at least five targets. And if you can get a number that's like, you know, Cameron Brait over 24 and a half or something like that, you know, over a, a catch and a half. If you can get his catch and a half at, uh, if you can get his catches at one and a half, I would be all over that. Uh, yards, 19 and a half, I would be all over that. I start kind of coming into the handicap somewhere around 29 and a half. I think I like him. Over two and a half and over twenty nine and a half, I think officially. But I'd like I really like to see where the line ends up and, and where the market is on him before I make anything official. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of props that haven't been released yet. I was looking at finding a player prop just to kind of diversify my betting portfolio for week ten. Um, but the one that I was looking at isn't listed yet, but since we're talking about props or you mentioned the one prop, um I, I am interested in Travis Etienne. The Jacksonville Jaguar running back. I'm going to go over his receiving prop. Uh, the Jaguars are close to double-digit underdogs at the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. If that game plays out like the odds makers suggest, like the Chiefs will have a comfortable lead in that game. They might be playing like a lot of prevent defense and just keeping keeping the Jaguars in front of them. And I could see Trevor Lawrence having a couple checkdowns or or, or draw. Uh, drop-off passes, dump-off passes to Etienne for him to pick up some easy yards. He actually, he is a receiving threat. What is it? It's Etienne. Okay, great, because I think I'm going to go on Dakich tomorrow, and I need that. Thank you. (laughs) Etienne. Etienne? Travis Etienne. (laughs) Etienne. All right, thank you. Sorry. Um, But, yeah, I think he can get a couple easy drop-down passes. Obviously elusive in space. He's a really good receiving running back, but he actually hasn't caught as many passes this year is I think people were expecting him to. So I think there's a solid chance that like his receiving prop could be like 19 and a half, 20 and a half, which is something that I would love to hammer, but I'd play it up to, I guess, 24 and a half. Probably. I'm not going to get too crazy, um, but look out for that. Travis 
Etienne. 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 Travis Etienne. <laughs> Just say it all together, and it comes out a lot fa- a lot easier. Travis Etienne. All right. Well, hopefully, I don't sound like as much of a dumbass to the rest of this podcast. But let's talk about uh, your first best bet, which is my football team, uh, the New York Giants, hosting the Houston Texans. I, well, I think you're on the Giants. Who who do you like in this? I, I am on the Giants, and. <laughs> I need your perspective because you obviously follow the Giants much more closely than I do. Like, why do odds makers hate this football team? Why do they hate the Giants? I I I don't get it. I think it's because I think it's because we're cursed. I mean, we've been pretty much the worst team against the spread and just overall over the last five years. And I think like you know there was some momentum for the Giants football organization uh, early in Joe Judge's short tenure and they cash some they cash some tickets as like road dogs or home favorites here that's typically not a good spot for the Giants and it is also like this team wasn't expected to be very good so you know maybe they don't like the odds makers feel like they shouldn't be I don't know that big of a favorite it doesn't even make sense though as I'm saying it right because what are they right now they're five point favorites or Four point favorites on on DraftKings, so yeah, they're they're four at least. That's where they were right before we started. When I when I looked, also, do you have their ATS record in front of you? Because I mean, the bottom line is, all right, the six yeah, and two. They're six and two. So it's just like maybe the odds makers figure there'll be natural regression, which makes sense. I uh, uh, fine. All of that aside, this just feels like a, a really incorrect line. Um, it feels like the Giants, and to go back to the Jaguars, where we said the Raiders and the Jaguars are kind of the same team, and that they, they just... But the analytics love the Jaguars, and I think they hate the Giants. And so I think the Giants are getting... I think they're a better football team than like their underlying numbers indicate, and that's what's driving these lines, similar to how Jacksonville's lines seem to be deflated based on the fact that their quote-unquote underlying advanced analytics are better than they are as a football team. It's it's the coaching thing. It's the same thing with Vrabel. It's like people can't figure out the market can't figure out Tennessee, but it's just like you pretty much throw out their numbers. It's kind of the same thing. So the with Giants, Diebel. so six and two against the spread is tied for the best cover percentage in the NFL with Tennessee and Dallas. Um, it feels like a trap line, but that's exactly what I said when I got them at plus three against Jacksonville a few weeks back. We're like, this doesn't. This feels wrong. It almost feels like Vegas wants me to bet the Giants, but. Sure enough, they went out and outright beat Jacksonville. In this spot, we're getting the Giants at home as four-point favorites against arguably the NFL's worst team. And according to EPA per play, Houston is the worst team in the NFL. They're in the five. There's my guy Ben Baldwin, Computer Cowboy on Twitter. Um, he does tiers based on EPA per play, and they're they're the, Houston is in a tier by itself. Like that's how bad they are. Um, they're bottom five in offense, bottom six in defense. While the Giants are actually top 10 in offense, believe it or not, an offense led by Daniel Jones is top 10 in EPA per play. They're middle of the pack on defense, slightly below average. But we're getting a team that sits three full tiers ahead of the team they're playing while giving up just four points at home. Like, to me, that's absolutely insane. And not only that, but the Giants come into this game off their bye, which has given them two weeks to prepare for the NFL's fourth worst offense. And it's not really a look-ahead spot for the Giants either. They play the Lions at home next week. Now that will be a look-ahead spot because the Giants following that game at home against Detroit travel to play at Dallas on Thanksgiving Day for a massive game that will shape the NFC playoff picture on a short week. So maybe next week I'll look at the Giants as being a fade spot in a look-ahead game to Thanksgiving in Dallas. But here, I I just... I don't see any reason not to back the Giants. It opened at minus seven, and now we're down to four. I, I have yet to find anything that supports this line moving. Like, nothing stands out on the Giants' injury report. Evan Neal isn't likely to play, but we knew that. Um, you know, according to VEASAN, the handle is on the Giants, so, like, there's no money pushing this line. There's no injuries pushing this line. The only thing I can think is that Houston is some kind of fake sharp play here. I'm taking the Giants. I'm laying the points, and... To me, this is free money. <laughs> I was uh, I was with you up until the free money point. I have a homie that I gamble with that says free money a lot and loses even more. So, yeah. well, I'm at, is your homie at seventy five percent? No, 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 no. He is not. Okay, 
right, so well then, uh, yeah you have the record mind. to back that bullshit up but free free money i hey, i hear i hope it's free money as a giants fan um, but the line movement can you explain that how no. this has gone from seven to four with seemingly no news or information that makes you think it should no that's why it's like i side with you and just like not even worrying about it because me and you both look at this shit all the time, analyze a lot of football, talk about football, kind of live, eat, and breathe football. Um, And if together we can't figure out the line movement, it, it's just as simple as maybe the odds makers are like drawing the line in the sand. Like, no, we think, we, we think Houston's the sharp side. We'll take your money. And if the public wins here or there, right? Obviously the house... Is uh you typically want to be on the right side of them, but like my my usual like thought process is like if I can't reverse engineer it, then whatever, then I'll just so, I'll fall I'm on for the, the trap. Minus four as, as my first bet of the week. All right, cool. Well, we're both um we both got to look in the next game here, which is n- not a very sexy game, but uh, the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. I'm taking a side. And I think your betting this game could be kind of sexy, right? Are you on the over here? Hell yeah, I'm on the over. This is a ridiculously low total for these two teams. And again, I, I don't get it. But go ahead. Give your analysis first since I just went. Um, well, it's just I'm just betting the Bears momentum. And I also think this is a bit of a letdown spot for Detroit. They beat Green Bay 15-9 last week. But you were on that game, right? That game was a lot more about Green Bay being awful than Detroit doing anything good. Obviously, they scored 15 points, right? I mean, they got outgained, I think, by like 100 total yards. And Yeah, Aaron... Rodgers threw two interceptions in goal-to-go situations and another on the Detroit 22, costing them at a minimum 17 points. Right, and I wouldn't count that, just to be, re- be clear, I wouldn't count that as like a lucky win for you, right? Because like... The Packers no, it was baked lost. Into the handicap. Right, the, yeah. The Packers, the Packers lost make the way you mistakes. thought. Right, the Packers lost the way you thought they would. So, like, you know, it looked a little weird, but that was your handicap. You know, but and we weren't like, really close to losing either. Like, we had Detroit plus three and a half, and they won by a touchdown. So, you know, even if they turn those three possessions into ten points, we still hit. So it's again, right. I'm saying like, for people that do this better than you and I, and that I like, whose information I consume, they generally look at like efficiency metrics and especially when it comes to predictive analysis. So like the thought was essentially green Bay played a better game last week than Detroit. But, um, so like, I I think it's just a natural letdown spot and, uh, Chicago's playing really well recently, but what do they really have to show for it? Right. They're one in three straight up in the last four games. So it's not like they're going to be smelling themselves or feeling themselves like they still like have to win games and they still haven't proven shit. And like Justin Fields for as good as he plays needs to start getting some wins under his belt. And this is an obvious spot where he can get a win. Detroit's got a bottom five run defense, which I'm sure you'll talk about here in a second. They allow the fourth most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks. They're tied for the most rushing touchdowns allowed to opposing quarterbacks, which sounds like a really, really bad thing when you're going against Justin Fields who looks like the best running quarterback in a long time. Like even better than Lamar. I think like he is, you know, you disagree. I think he's phenomenal in the open field. Maybe he just hasn't I, been hit enough to kind of like, are you just mean strictly as a runner? Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I, they're about this. I, I would rank them about the same. Fair and enough. Lamar Lamar's a slightly better passer, but they're both well below average. Fair enough. I'm not here to debate that. And I don't even really, Whatever. Uh, Justin Fields is phenomenal on his feet. And Detroit has a terrible linebacker room, which is the most important thing for defending mobile quarterbacks. I got some trends backing me up here. Chicago, as a home favorite oh, since since last year, 3-1 and one against the number, plus a 7.0 ATS differential. They're 3-1-1 one one against the number the season following a loss with a plus five ATS differential. Detroit's one and three against the number as an underdog of three or less with a minus 17 ATS differential. And like the way I consume that trend is Dan Campbell and the Lions made a lot of money for people last year. And then when the market got a little too excited about Detroit, it was like, oh, all right, short dog, hey, 
they're covering whatever. They'll, they'll, they'll cover as a short dog somehow, some way. Or I'll tease it up. They end up getting waxed, like absolutely waxed. So um, the, the last angle that I have here, and I haven't heard anyone talk about it somehow, but like Jared Goff in bad weather. The the weather forecast is they're they're have it at thirty eight to thirty nine degrees below forty forty degrees or below weather. Jared Goff was one and four against the number under Sean McVay and one and one against the number um, in Detroit last year. So you get Jared Goff on a letdown game versus um, in cold weather versus a, a Chicago team which has an obvious strength on weakness edge in the run game. I like the Bears, and similar thought as you with the Giants against the Texans. Like a lot of Bears money's coming in, and that's still at two and a half, which kind of makes me nervous. But whatever, I can't really figure out the Detroit love outside of like they just beat Green Bay, which I guess does kind of make sense. What do you have in this game, dude? So I was actually the interesting thing about this analysis is that I went into this game thinking I was going to be on the same side as you, which is just bet the bet the Bears. Um, I agree with uh, most, if not all, of your analysis there. But as I started to dig into it, I actually started to like the total a little bit more than the side. Um, and I, I just I hate doing both because then the. Uh, the urge for me to parlay them together becomes too strong, and then I end up screwing myself out of a out of a win. So I'm gonna I, I like the Bears. I lean the Bears. I think that's a good pick for you. Um, but I personally think that the over is the better play here. I think this line is suspiciously low. Um, while games in the NFL have been going under at a pretty regular clip this season, in fact, just eight teams have more overs than unders. These are two of them. Um, both of these teams are on that list. Detroit is five and three to the over, which is tied for the second highest over percentage in the league, trailing only Cleveland. Chicago is five and four to the over, which doesn't seem all that impressive. But remember, 19 teams have more unders than overs. So being even just one game to the over uh, makes you an over team this season. And honestly, because of how many games have gone under, I think we're getting a little bit of a deflated line here. Both teams are plus three and a half to the over this season. Neither of them plays any real defense. Statistically, according to EPA per play, Detroit actually has the league's worst defense, and it's not particularly close, and Chicago's in the bottom five. I think the line is also a little influenced by last week's Green Bay matchup that you just talked about, which only had 24 points. But that total was dragged down by two Aaron Rodgers interceptions in goal-to-go situations. Not only that, the Lions failed on a fourth and one from inside the Packers' 10. Rodgers threw a third interception, as I mentioned, from the Lions' 22-yard line. So you're talking about 21 to 28 points that were left on the table by fluky plays. So I think we can pretty much throw that game out with regards to total. Prior to the Green Bay game, the Lions and Dolphins played to a 58-point total, which gives us some context because the Bears played the Dolphins last week, and those teams dropped 67 points. So as much as it pains me to admit it, I'm not a Justin Fields fan, but he has been better of late. The past three games, the Bears have scored 33, 29, and 32. And two of the defenses they played in those games, by the way, were New England and Dallas. Those are top four defenses in the league. Chicago should have no trouble scoring in this one. I don't think Detroit really will either. This line should be at least 50. The fact that it's under 50, I think, gives us incredible value. So we'll take the value on the high side and go over. No shit. Okay. Um, sorry, I just got a message that kind of threw me off. So one of my, my, one of my best friends is the marketing manager for the sports department of Amazon prime. And he's in Charlotte right now. And you know, for the game for work and he's got a live update from the ground. Rain has begun. Um, we also have, he's like my family. Um, his brother's fiance also works in charlotte her job sent everyone home before the weather gets too bad and he's like he's a big gambler too he said bet the under hit the under it's been trending down i know it was somewhere it was like mid 40s to open and then 43 i saw when i looked at like some of the pick sites this morning as i was researching it was like oh take under 43 and i click over and it's like 41 and a half so it's gonna keep going down in fact, we're doing this as a podcast, so by the time this gets up, it'll probably be dropped even further, so it might not help you. But yeah, this this feels like one of those games where like get all of the fantasy players' 
out of your lineup except for maybe like a Cordero Cordero Patterson or like like I guess you could keep the running guys in there like Mariota could could get some yards on the ground but this feels like it definitely could be one of those uh, uh that crazy Bills Patriots game last year where the Patriots threw three passes and won the game right yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I is, think... this, this this has all the makings of one of those but it is still holding steady at 41 and a half as of now um yeah I guess I wonder why that is maybe it's just like people aren't that excited about that matchup but that's not really how football works like everyone's excited no, it's about a prime time matchup. Game. yeah but people love to bet the over man like no matter what it is people love to bet the over so there could be some value on that under no that's a good point and especially with it being like a low total especially with like nowadays scoring so i see it i mean how how plugged in is the public on the weather reports tonight i mean more so than they used to be but i don't know how in they are this hasn't been reported as the same as if you remember the lead up to that bills patriots game that was like wild you know 40 mile an hour winds that was like a big deal i saw it everywhere i haven't i've seen this this reported in several places but not nearly to the level of that you know what it could be though the lack of reports here's a, just a hypothesis that i have uh the 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 midterms were a couple of days ago and like they're still like they're still counting yep. the votes so like that's that's the a b c d and e block of the news right now <laughs> um so that's maybe true. maybe like Tropical storm Nicole as, is like flying under the radar. I don't know. I don't watch nearly as much uh, sports talks as I used to. Like when I worked at ESPN, it was just like literally we'd have 10 TVs in our control room all tuned to different ESPN channels. So I was like inundated with sports. And now I'm just like, I don't watch any sports talk TV. Like I prefer to get all my information through reading. I know I'm a nerd that way. But that's kind of what I love about OutKick is like we focus really heavily on the website and the writing aspect of it, which is what I love. No shit. All right. As a writer, I hate reading, which is pretty weird, huh? <laughs> I'm much well, more of a podcast I, guy, but I can't. I can't. I read a lot of your writing, and uh, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, you could tell this guy doesn't. Like, this guy doesn't fucking read. Um, I didn't even know you knew how to read, <laughs> dude. You don't understand how much Grammarly and auto uh, auto correct and auto uh, which I'm call it and like the spell check helped me out. Oh, one other thing I wanted to point out, I, I forgot to mention, uh, in the Lions-Bears over analysis. So one joke I love to make, and we haven't ever talked about this, but so uh, team rankings, who I like as a, as a site, and they do a lot of good things. But one of the funny things about... Ass. Yeah, but one of the funny things is their like projection of the score will almost always just be the spread. So it'll be like, you know... If Bears are minus three and the total is 48, then it, the team rankings will be like, this is going to be, you know, 24 and a half to 21. Like, you know, the, the numbers will pretty much add up to the spread and the total. And you're like, okay, this is useless information. <laughs> Even they have this game as Bears 26.7 to Lions 23.7, which would put the total at 50 and a half. So a, the Team ranking saying that this game is two points over is wild to me and makes me think I'm on the right side. Yeah. Because they never, they never, ever, their projections, I almost think Vegas gets their lines from like, okay, team rankings, what's the predicted score? Okay, that's the line. Because <laughs> it is, it's every time I click on it, I'm like, it's always the same. Always. And this one, I was like, oh my God, this one's not the same? And it's two points of difference? That is crazy. Um. I guess Team Rankin's got the sharpest model on the internet. <laughs> I don't know. They're like I'm, the I'm anti-ESPN Vegas, predictor. I am convinced that Vegas goes off of Team Rankings to figure out. Like Team Rankings puts out the what they think it's going to be, and then that's the spread. I love Team Rankings. That's all I could say oh, me about too. that. Huge. I'm a huge fan as well. Um, let's go to another. But like, here we go. I, I just clicked on one random game this week just for fun. Uh, Browns Dolphins. Team Rankings says Dolphins twenty six point nine. Browns, 23.4. That would make the spread three and a half. Guess what the fucking spread on the game is? It's three and a half. Like, dead nuts on. Dan, I'm going to have to become a goddamn host Nazi, all right? We got an editorial call here soon. We got <laughs> to move it on this shit. Um, especially because we don't do any pre-production meetings, so we just kind of come and match our bets and start riffing on them. And we both have a pick. That's why these go so long. Because yeah. we, we like see stuff as we're talking and we're like, right. oh, that's interesting. Another game that we're on the 
uh, we're also we we each have action. And excuse me, um, is the Dallas Cowboys versus the Green Bay Packers, which I want you to discuss first, since I uh, opened up the Lions uh, Packer or the Lions Bears analysis. But I'm pulling up the line right now. The Cowboys. I got it at four and a half. Dallas four and a half. Yeah, which is ticking down a little bit, four and a half. But what do you like in this game? So. I base my analyses, as you've learned throughout, on all kinds of different things. But one thing I don't usually do is trends, because I think trends generally are pointless, because you're talking about different teams, different coaches, different years. It's almost irrelevant, right? And I think people who lean on trends, and you can always find a trend that backs the side you want. I mean, you could do that with any kind of stat, but especially with trends. But man, you want to talk about recent trends for Dallas, and like at some point, they're just kind of hard to ignore. And, like, let's look at this team against the spread in recent history. First of all, they're 22-7 and seven against the spread in their past 29 games. I'm 22-7 and seven on my picks, and we're, you're blowing me up like I'm the greatest thing ever. Dallas has the exact same record. An actual NFL football team has the exact same record in their past 29 games. That's number one in the NFL over that span. They failed to cover in week one this year in a disastrous game against Tampa, but since then they're 6-1 and one against the number. Most teams struggle as road favorites. But the Cowboys have covered five straight since the beginning of last season as road favorites. What about road games in general? I'm glad you asked. Dallas is a 10 and two against the spread on the road since the start of last season. Like again, not a big trends guy, but at some point we just have to admit that Dallas is really good against the spread. They have been for like a, a decently large sample now. I think 29 games, especially only dating back to you know last season and a half or so that's still the same core of team same quarterback i i don't have much more other than that like the packers kind of stink and they've struggled mightily against the spread this season they're in that group with um as i'll get to in a minute with the saints as being tied for the third worst cover percentage in the nfl at three and six so i mean you have a really good spread team going against a really bad spread team dallas is coming off of its bye week and yeah man i like dallas and there's not a lot to it no i mean keep it simple stupid type logic i don't hate it i mean that's i i my uh breakdown for the cowboys bears a couple weeks ago where the cowboys were i think laying nine and a half was a lot more complicated and wordy but it essentially was the same analysis same info and they won that game like, by 20 points like handily yeah like and uh, what i titled the article for it was like i think it was something like fading the fade dallas crowd um because people have been talking years now it's like oh america america's team the cowboys skip bayless loves america it's profitable to fade the cowboys which it was for 20 years but over the last couple under mike mccarthy they're, they're cashing tickets and there's Fade them at your own peril, type thing. You could have made, you could have literally made a living off of just betting Dallas with the spread over the last twenty nine games. Yeah, and to me, there isn't like a lot of three D chess with the odds makers in this line. Like they think, and I, I think everyone agrees that the Cowboys are much, much better than the Packers. They're going to beat the shit out of them because there's no way to look ahead spot. Like Rogers owns the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, you know, you got that whole thing. I also am going to include in my... Oh, yes. I forgot about the Mike McCarthy revenge angle that I knew you would go for. Yeah. So, like... He also knows how to stop Aaron Rodgers, although everyone's kind of figured that out this year. Also, everyone loves shitting on Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. He's not a very good coach. He is an amazing defensive coordinator. Absolutely amazing, right? And Dallas has the third best defense, according to EPA, in the league behind only New England and Denver. And it feels like when you add the, like the star power, that they're they're a top three defense, right? Easily, like like it's it's probably them and like a healthy Bills team. And like, what other defenses are you really taking over either one of those two? I'm not right. I really really no defense. Um, but I'm going under Packers nineteen and a half point team total. Green Bay has. <coughs> Went under their team total in seven of their nine games this year. They're averaging 17.1 points per game. Again, there is a revenge game with McCarthy. And uh, and I think Dan Quinn still has a chip on his shoulder for 
being dragged by the media and 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 for his unsuccessful um well quasi unsuccessful stint at the Atlanta Falcons head coach even though he did make a Super Bowl um with the Falcons but Green Bay has a huge trench disadvantage in both run and pass blocking in this game um and Green Bay's injury report is very scary if you're a Packer fan uh here's a list of the Packers on offense the off um the Packers offensive players excuse me that weren't practicing Wednesday two offensive linemen uh David Bakhtiari and um and Jenkins, two wide receivers, Romeo Dobbs, who, who's not going to play, and Sammy Watkins, who doesn't even matter if he plays, and and Aaron Rodgers dealing with a thumb issue. He'll probably play, right? But, like, who knows? And it feels like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are about to check out of the season pretty soon. So um, I'm, I'm just going to – similar kind of analysis as me with the Cowboys over the Bears, and you here, it's like, what – why are the Packers scoring 20 points in this game? I don't think they are. So I'll bet the under here. Um, next game, though, we got to talk about moving along. You have a look in the Steelers-Saints game, and I forget what it is. So why don't you educate yeah, me this and the is, listeners? This is for sure my least favorite bet of the week. Um, it's something <laughs> you and I texted about, and you were like, I don't know how you're doing this. It is. Um, the Steelers aren't a good football team. Like, there's, like Let me start there. Um, they rank in the second to last tier, as I was mentioning about the EPA per play tiers. They're in the second to last tier. They are well below average in both offense and defense. Meanwhile, the Saints are exactly average. It's actually kind of crazy. So Ben Baldwin puts up this chart with everyone's logos, and there's like a, a point where NFL averages meet on offense and defense. The Saints are literally like exactly where the lines meet, meaning that their offense and their defense is exactly league average. Kind of wild, by the way. Um so that seemingly gives them a huge advantage, right? Like they're an average team and the Steelers are massively below average on both sides of the ball. And this is essentially what amounts to a pick em game. I mean, the Steelers, yeah, we're getting one and a half here. But at the end of the day, we're basically taking the Steelers to win this game. And that's scary. Um, but here's the thing. Like history favors Pittsburgh here. The Steelers are coming off their bye week, and they're 3-1 and one against the spread in their past four seasons coming off their bye. Mike Tomlin, who is easily a top five NFL coach, has had two weeks to prepare for the Saints and Andy Dalton. Dalton, by the way, in his career, is 4-12 and against the spread when facing Mike Tomlin. So, yeah, Tomlin owns Dalton. He's had two weeks to prep. The Saints, meanwhile, are coming off a short week. They played on Monday Night Football. They got drubbed. Um, and New Orleans has been sneaky bad against the spread this season. They're 3-6 and six against the spread through nine weeks, which is the same as their actual record. And it's tied with several teams, including, like I just mentioned, the Packers for the third worst cover percentage in the NFL. Only the Rams and Bucks have actually had worse cover percentage than that next group of five teams. And the Steelers, despite being 2-6 and six on the season, are actually 3-4-1 and one against the spread. So just under 500, despite being four games under 500 um, in real football. And by the way... I don't feel like this has gotten a lot of fanfare, but TJ Watt is going to play in this game. Um, he's going to be on a snap count. He's going to be limited. I wouldn't expect to see him play more than maybe 10 or 15 snaps, but I think, A, in those 10 or 15 snaps he plays, that's a big deal and a huge lift on the field. But I also think it's like it's a big morale boost for a team that like desperately needs one. Um, I don't love backing a rookie quarterback who has a two- an eight touchdown to interception ratio this season. But I do like that he's coming off a bye. Rookies tend to be better um, with more time. So you get Pickett. He's had two weeks. This is a Saints defense that has allowed at least 27 points in five of their last six games, including 42 to the broken Arizona Cardinals offense. The only outlier was a outlier was a shutout against the Raiders. But I mean, we talked about the Raiders, like sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Um, that's the only thing that's really keeping the Saints points per game in check. Otherwise, their defense, in my estimation, is is below average. And final note, they have been unbelievably dominant as home underdogs under Mike Tomlin. In fact, they haven't failed to cover in any situ- any of these situations since 2017. The Steelers are 7-0-2 against the spread as home underdogs since 2017. Tomlin in his career is 13-3-4 against the spread as a home dog. And the Saints, meanwhile, have been road favorites twice this season. They failed to cover both of them, including an outright loss at terrible Carolina. So, again, not a big trends guy, but sometimes when you're talking about a coach like Tomlin and he's got a large sample in these situations, 
Um, I think they're worthy of note, and I think that one is particularly worthy of note. Yeah, my pushback in the whole non-trends thing, because I, I, I sometimes will follow trends. I always look at the trends. It's just like the pricing matters the most, right? Like like we infuse all of our own context, but at the end of the day, the price is the price. And if, if a certain coach or a certain team does well in certain situations against certain numbers, then I, I actually believe that does matter. I mean, you can go a little overboard with trends or be a well, little too Well, my thing is always like in. you – yeah, you can kind of like people – what I hate is when people are like, when they're home underdogs by a spread of between three and a half and six and a half, and they're playing the game on grass when the weather is above 50 degrees, they're 9-0. and oh. It's like, okay, you could set yeah. the parameters constantly to finally find a number that plays in your favor. And I think that happens a lot. Like I've done that in the past. Like I've I've been like, ooh, that trend doesn't work for me. Let me try to adjust it a little bit so that it – ooh, now it works for me. So – that's the whole issue I have with trends in general. And, and like I said, you know, sometimes you'll say, like, going back 20 years, this team does X, Y, or Z. It's like, yeah, you're talking about 10 different quarterbacks, five different coaches, tons of different – like, the opponents are different. To me, that's when it doesn't matter. I, I don't mind recent trends. Like, the Dallas Cowboys, all the stuff I gave you is with the same coach, the same quarterback, basically the same core of a team. So, to me, that's useful. And, you know, with dealers, I'm looking at Mike Tomlin. Like, I trust Mike Tomlin as a home underdog because he's shown throughout his career that that's a good spot for him. Yeah. That's all. Like, Vikings are have been amazing at home over recent years, but I kind of have thrown that out this year because of the coaching change, right? So I don't can't factor that in as much. But, yeah, like, to your point, and I'm more belaboring it uh, now, but it's like there are certain trends that matter, and, you know, I think – we both could do a really good job of isolating or figuring out which ones are bullshit and which ones aren't. Point um, is, I hate this bet so much. I hate myself for making it, but I'm on the Steelers plus one and a half. <laughs> Dude, I have like the biggest preseason future uh, bets that I made were on the Saints um, to win the NFC South and to make the playoffs, which are still somewhat live, right? Because that, that division so they're, terrible. They're not, but yeah. I hear you, but I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know. The Bucks, the the Bucks could lose this weekend, right? And and they're in first, and I think they're five and or four and five right now. I hear you. Um, I don't yeah, know, but I expect the Falcons to win tonight, so we'll see. Right. I don't know. Uh, all I'm saying is that I just can't. I think that the Steelers are the sharp play, but I can't bet against the Saints because I just I'm actually rooting for too them. much invested. Yeah, yeah I it's like I actually kind of I'm still holding out a little bit of hope. If they lose this game, it's like I'll I'll be looking to fade the Saints in spots or more open to it, I guess. Um, all right, I'm actually going to pick out a couple trends here that I think matter in the Sunday Night Football game. But let's talk about the Chargers versus the. San Francisco 49ers. You're going back to the Chargers well again, huh? I feel like you've had a play on the Chargers like the last several weeks in a row. Mm, no. No, no, no. I picked them to beat the Seattle Seahawks, which is the only game they've lost over their last, I think, four or five um, games. Um, so that sucks. And I got really butthurt about Brandon Staley. But I also think Kyle Shanahan significantly overrated. Um, at least San Francisco doesn't perform well in these spots. They're six, ten, and one against the number as home favorites of three and a half. It's actually more. interesting. So my guy Ben Baldwin, who I think is one of the sharpest what analytic minds, Cowboy something. What's his What's his thing? He's at, he's at Ben Baldwin. Actually, I think it might be at Ben B Baldwin. Let me let me get that. His, uh, his Twitter name is Computer Cowboy, but his right, at right, right, right. Okay. At Ben B Baldwin. I just wanted to make um, sure I knew who you were yeah. talking about. I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he. I think he's super sharp, and he's been doing some stuff this week that shows that, like, and he, he did a, a, an incredible analysis. Like, all these people talk shit on Jimmy G, and anyone who watches tape says he sucks. And, yeah, uh, listen, I, I got a little bit of both in me. I like analytics. I like tape. But all of the numbers show that Jimmy G might actually be the thing that keeps Kyle Shanahan relevant. And I kind of want to buy into that notion because we've seen them with other quarterbacks – and Shanahan's terrible, but yet they win, they cover, and their offense has been like top 10 with Jimmy G behind center. So maybe he sucks, 
but he also just does a lot of good things. And one of the key stats that was pointed out that I find the most fascinating is Jimmy G is really, really good on third down. He's good at completing. He's good at picking up first downs, avoiding mistakes, like all the things you want in a quarterback on third down, he is good at. And that is, again, you might not think he's got the best arm or he's the best QB, but like being good on third. And actually, that's been the difference in Justin Fields the last few weeks. Fields was terrible on third downs early in the year. He was taking sacks, pushing the team back, just making mistakes, and got a lot better on third downs, and suddenly their offense is rolling. So third downs are very critical in the NFL. Um Dude, I think and the Jimmy Bears are. Actually, I think they're. I think they're uh, converting fifty-five percent of their third downs over the last like four weeks. Exactly, and it's been it's been mostly Fields like improving, like not not taking those big sacks, mm-hmm. getting out of the pocket, getting out on the edge. And Jimmy G for his career has always been good on third down. It's like he's average at everything, but for some reason that that number that that down marker clicks to three, and something happens. And hey, if that's the one thing you're going to be good at, that's something really smart to be good at no i mean you're preaching to the choir in this one one of my best friends and best gambling homies that i have is from san francisco huge 49er huge bay area sports fan niners warriors uh giants and we've had seriously like a three-year running argument about kyle shanahan i mean if kyle shanahan's your coach you probably love him, right? I mean, he, you know, he went to the NFC Championship last year, went to the Super Bowl, and one of the better play designers in the NFL. But like from a game management perspective, it just feels like he finds a way to lose games a lot and underperform expectations, which is kind of part of why I brought up the uh, the trends here. But like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you know, what I almost called him the Cocaine Cowboy. That's a sweet documentary. What's his, <laughs> <laughs> the cover cow- computer uh, ben, cowboy? Computer Cowboy Ben Baldwin. Like, because that's something that I've noticed. It's like because when you cut away all the bullshit, right, about like Kyle Shanahan's play design and and, and how he gets uh, wide receivers and playmakers in the ball uh, with the ball in space, like that kind of stuff. When it when you when you cut through all of it, at the end of the day. That guy's record is complete shit without Jimmy G. That's it. That's the end of it. Like he, it doesn't matter how good of a play designer he is. If he doesn't have a good quarterback who can run his shit, he's not good. Just like every other coach in the NFL, like it's not, it's not complicated, right? Everyone talks about how well the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, and then with Kyle Shanahan, it's like, well, there's like this expectation, like any quarterback's fine. It's like. They've tried a handful of them, and really, oh, it's only Jimmy G who's any good. I mean, granted, if they were to pull off the Aaron Rodgers trade, yeah, that'd be sick. But, like, other than that... Sometimes, I, sometimes you just get these coach-quarterback combinations where it's, like, maybe separately, neither one of them is excellent, but somehow that partnership yeah. just fucking works. Like, it just it happens occasionally. Um, this might be one of... Here's the tweet, though, that I was referring to. So, it's uh, Computer Cowboy at Ben Baldwin... In reference to Jimmy G, I think it's interesting how every QB that film every uh, sorry, let me let me start over. I think it's interesting how a QB every film person swears is bad at football has somehow led the second best passing offense since he's gotten there even though every other QB who has played in the same offense did not play well. Like so there has to be something there, right? Like Everyone swears he's bad, but yet we've plugged in several other QBs that have not been able to replicate what he's been able to replicate. And again, like I said, he's really good on third down. The only quarterbacks who have been better are Mahomes and Herbert. And this is another great tweet, by the way. On third down, when the defense knows you're going to pass, you really need a creative quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, or Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Yeah, um, well... Also, I mean, kind of getting back into the trends and why I like the Chargers, it's like favorites, like the public shows love to favorites in primetime games. And Shanahan's 14, uh, the Niners are 4 and 10, excuse me, against the number as favorites in primetime in the Shanahan era. Uh, the Chargers are 7 and 3 against the number as road underdogs since Herbert's rookie season. And they're 3 and 1 against the number as primetime road dogs. Uh, since Herbert's rookie season. Also, I was just mentioning how like Shanahan does a really good job of getting his playmakers a ball in space. So you got to be able to tackle. 
the Chargers, whose defense sucks, they actually can tackle. They have the third fewest missed tackles in the league. So if they get your their hands around you, they're going to bring you down. It's just it's a schematic thing. You know, I know you love Staley, but I don't understand. There's some schematic thing with this defense, but when they get their arms around uh, playmakers, they make the tackle. And um, also the strength of San Francisco's defense, their, their, their secondary is pretty good, but I think it's more based on the pass rush. Uh, well, the, the Chargers have the lowest adjusted sack rate in the NFL. And I, I mean, everyone knows Herbert's a stud. If you give him time to throw, even with a banged up receiving core, I think he's going to make plays and this offense is going to have success. And like, if the Chargers offense has success, then how good do you feel about laying seven in the spot with really any team against a quarterback as good as Herbert? Also, I think there's some recency bias in this line. San Francisco just added uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's looked awesome. They beat the shit out of the Rams 31-14 prior to their bye this past week. So, like, people are feeling good about San Francisco. They're one of the favorites to make the NFC. L.A. eked past Atlanta 17-14 to this past week. They chopped as three-point closing road favorites, but San Francisco got crushed um, two weeks ago, week eight versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Chargers covered in Kansas City a few weeks or earlier in the season, and they lost by 14 to Atlanta um, in week seven, and the Chargers just beat Atlanta. Now you can sit there and say, well, the 49ers are really banged up for that game. The Chargers injury report was a goddamn nightmare last week. So, like, I don't know. If you're going to give the benefit of the doubt for the 49ers, why don't the Chargers get it? And I think they're not getting a benefit of the doubt with this line. So I'm going to take the seven here with the Chargers. Wow. I don't know. What do you think? Um, we got to yeah, bang I mean, out our best bets. So be quick with this one. It's, not, it's tough because I just gave you all the – things i like about jimmy g and i like kyle shanahan and all of that but i i just wouldn't be able to lay seven with them here so for me it's a stay away but i like where your head's at i love when you back the chargers <laughs> yeah you're you're the biggest staley fan that i know and i live in southern california they well I actually have a bunch of guy. money i actually have a lot of money riding on it with a former uh nfl player who i'm really good friends with um if Brandon Staley doesn't get fired this offseason, I get $5,000. So, yeah, I'm a pretty big Brandon Staley fan. All right. Well, is is it going to be Randy Moss who Venmo's you? Just trying uh, to, to, to give you the name. If I wanted <laughs> to give you the name, I would have given you the name. All right, cool. Well, you're just talking about stars. But, but but this person is not a fan of Brandon Staley and swears he's going to be fired, so that was the bet. Hmm. Sounds I also like Dave, said the Chargers would. I also said the Chargers would win thirteen games this season. But again, I stand by the fact that they are just so freaking unlucky with injuries. Sounds like Damian Woody to though. me. Does it rhyme with Jeff Clark? Well, Clark. Sorry. Um, anyway, so let's go to our best what? bets. That's the dumbest I, thing you've I, ever said. I was saying I meant Ryan Clark, so I guess the rhyme doesn't make sense. I don't give you uh, just because I know we're moving on here. I don't give you best bets anymore because my best bets always lose. My best bets are all my bets. I gave I emptied the clip. So you go ahead and give your pick of the week. That's cool. I'm gonna go with the Rams. Uh lane one and a half, hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Um the Cardinals lost to the Rams earlier this year, twenty to twelve, and they were three point home underdogs. So they lost straight up and against the spread. The Cardinals had eight more first downs. They were four for five on fourth down. They had the ball for eight minutes longer, and they won the turnover battle one to nothing, and they lost by eight at home. If they can't win that game, how are they going to win or cover in this game? I don't feel confident that they will, obviously. Two words, John Wolford. Okay, so John Wolford has made one other start in his career. Now, it wasn't very impressive, but he did get a win, and it was in Week 17 against the Arizona Cardinals, where they beat them 18 to 7. Arizona's offense was better then. They had Kyler Murray, they had DeAndre Hopkins. I think their running game or their offensive line was a little more reliable. So it was mostly a defensive effort. Obviously, 18 to 7 was the final outcome. That line, upon the Wolford news, dropped from three and a half to minus one. So it's pretty much a very similar situation here. L.A. was one win better than Arizona entering that game. They're a half win better this 
this uh, uh, this go around. So it's not like there's that much of a difference in the line um, from the Week 17 matchup a couple years ago where John Walford actually beat the Arizona Cardinals to this one. Also, like as 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 easily it is to make money betting Shanahan against McVay, you could it's like a human centipede. Shanahan shits in McVay's mouth and McVay shits in Cliff Kingsbury's mouth. McVay That's not a fun that's not a fun imagery. Come on, man. Seven McVay is seven to one against shitting in people's mouths. Be better. Be better. Don't say stuff like that. That's the most MSNBC shit you could say. All right. So King McVeigh is seven and one against the number with a plus six point eight ATS differential against Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I think. Not. I don't think. I, I'm very confident that LA's defense is going to make Arizona one dimensional. They have pretty easily the best run defense in the league. They have a huge run blocking. Uh, run-stopping mismatch, in this case, according to Pro Football Focus. And they have two sick elite cover cornerbacks to at least throw at New Hopkins, right? Who, How many cornerbacks are better than Jalen Ramsey in this spot, right? Where it's like, you got to stop this guy. Like, how many people are you picking ahead of him? So I just think, like, the, the Wolford news actually gives it, I think, uh, it gives me a better price, and I'll take it. Like, Stafford is banged up. It's not working very well this year, and maybe he needs an off game. And I still think Cooper Cup can get his. Like McVeigh has shown, shown to um, be able to get him the ball in, in, in many different ways, whether it be these end arounds or wide receiver screens. So I think Cooper Cup's going to have some success, at least enough to help the Rams win by enough to cover this number. So I'm taking the Rams. I'll, I'll lay the one and a half. And if Stafford plays, I would. I would lay three and a half. So that's where I'm at here. It's my best bets for my best bet for NFL week 10. Can you just remind the listeners what you have action in before we get on, before we get out of here? Yes, sir. Giants minus four over Houston, Dallas minus four and a half against green Bay, Pittsburgh plus one and a half over new Orleans. And I am on over 48 and a half in the Detroit Chicago divisional showdown. Beautiful. Again, my best bets, Rams minus one and a half. I'm taking seven with the Chargers, uh, laying two and a half with the Bears, and I'm going under Green Bay Packers, 19 and a half team total. Look out for Travis Etienne um, to go over his receiving yards if it's 24 and a half or lower. Um, Those are my best bets here. Best of luck to you guys in NFL week 10 hopefully i can write the ship hopefully dan can keep his hot streak going and we'll be back next week to talk about nfl week 11 peace out